You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right along edition of Instant Analysis on this gorgeous Tuesday evening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I'm down. I'm about the rest of you guys. Obviously, we're not riding along. We're parked, but... It is a Tuesday afternoon, late Tuesday afternoon. Uh, beautiful conditions outside today. Right around 70 degrees as we do this edition of Instant Analysis. The Alabama Crimson Tide football team back to work, back out there on Tuesday following its costly 38-7 win over the Mississippi State Bulldogs at Davis Wade Stadium on last Saturday. So uh, a lot to get into, obviously. We'll probably keep this one somewhat brief. Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com, undoubtedly already has his practice report up there at BOL, so I'm sure you're interested in that. I was out there for the media viewing periods this afternoon as well. Coming up later tonight, because we've got basketball, you've got men's basketball at Coleman Coliseum coming up at 7 p.m. Central. Should be a very interesting game. A very, very challenging matchup with the Purple Paladins of Furman. And you, know, you hear that and you think, Furman? Basketball? So the team a year ago it was 25-8. and eight. Probably should have made the NCAA tournament as an at-large participant. Didn't happen. Went to the NIT. Return four, I believe it's four starters from last year's team. Now Matt Rafferty, that was such a key part of Furman's success a year ago, no longer in Greenville, but still a lot of the supporting cast from a year ago is back. A team that, like Alabama, likes to get the three-point shots up. So if you like three-point shooting, you like perimeter-based offensive play, Coleman Coliseum at 7 o'clock tonight. That'll be the place for you. Now, as for the Alabama football team, this is as much a wellness check on you guys as it is anything else. Just making sure everybody's okay. Uh, in the wake of the injury to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. The news with Tua has been promising since Saturday afternoon. Obviously a very traumatic experience in a number of different ways. Most importantly for Tua and his family, it seems as if things are trending in a very positive direction after, well, as a parent, if you're a parent, you understand with your child out there in that situation, that's about the lowest of lows. Um, so that that's uh, that's obviously priority number one. You know, making sure Tua was taken care of, uh, both medically, uh, psychologically, uh, and the care as as we've seen here in the last couple of days, and as you've heard from the Tonga Vailoa family uh, themselves earlier on Tuesday, has been exemplary about what you would expect. Certainly, what you would expect uh, given the situation. Uh, considering that he had to be transported to Houston uh, where he could undergo surgery on that hip uh, and the expectation, the hope at least, that in the coming days uh, he will be back uh, here in Tuscaloosa where he will immerse himself in rehab and we'll see where it goes from there. Now, as for the immediate uh, repercussions, I guess you could say, not only with Tua uh, going down with that season ending perhaps, uh, the end of his UA career there in Starkville. You know, you've got issues along that defensive front coming out of the game against Mississippi State. 
Uh, with that, out at practice on Tuesday, uh, we did see DJ Dale and Fedarian Mathis, two of those three defensive linemen that made the injury report from last Saturday. We did see both those guys at practice. They were not doing much. They were in full gear. It was a full pad practice. Alabama did not practice on Monday, so they go right into full gear on Tuesday. Uh, neither one of those guys were doing much with the defensive line, so you know, what you saw mostly in terms of guys that would project to be atop that depth chart if Alabama played today, guys like Byron Young, guys like Tavita Musica, guys like Justin Aboigby, Stefan Wynn, Christian Barmore. You know, I think those four or five would be your primary candidates to play a lot of snaps on Saturday against FCS opponent Western Carolina. Um, now you've also got a couple of other true freshmen that we haven't seen much of or haven't seen any of at of at all in game action that being Braylon Ingram and also Ismail Softshire so they become more likely in terms of candidates to see snaps uh, in the game Saturday and with the four game redshirt rule this is where it really works to your benefit you get late in the season you accumulate injuries uh, especially in an area like the defensive line, and it becomes an all-hands-on-deck situation, uh, and you can still play, play guys like Braylon Ingram and also Ismail Softshir, get them some experience against an FCS opponent. Uh, who knows, you may need them even the following Saturday when you go to Auburn. Regardless, it's a good experience to get those guys uh, some action while also preserving their redshirt status. So that was sort of the setting there with the defensive line on Tuesday. We also uh, did not see Henry Ruggs III on the practice field Tuesday afternoon. Ruggs, of course, dealing with bruised ribs after a, uh, a big blow he took from Errol Thompson, the Mississippi State middle linebacker at the end of a short pickup inside the 10-yard line of Mississippi State in the third quarter on Saturday. We did not see Henry Ruggs III. Uh, otherwise, it was status quo at the wide receiver position. You still had Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith leading their respective lines in individual drills. Jalen Waddell uh, in the slot working there uh, with those guys. With those guys, and then you also had um, Major Tennyson leading the way with the tight ends. Running backs looked to be okay. Uh, the quarterback position, obviously one of great interest during Tuesday's practice, as expected. Mac Jones leading that position with Talia Tonga-Vailoa next. Uh, Paul Tyson, third. Braxton Barker, the walk-on, was your fourth, quarter in, fourth quarterback in those drills on Tuesday. Otherwise, defensively, it was a nickel day. Uh, for the linebackers and the secondary, Shane Lee, Christian Harris working together at inside linebacker with that first group. No change to your corners or your star with Shaheem Carter. Trayvon Diggs coming off a nice bounce back performance on Saturday in Starkville uh, after the rocky outing against LSU two Saturdays ago. Patrick Sertan at the other corner. Uh, and your safeties, of course, still being um, Xavier McKinney and uh, Jared Maiden. The twos, you had Ali Caho and Jalen Moody at the inside linebacker position. You've heard by now Scooby Carter, the true freshman, has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, with that, you had Marcus Banks at right corner. You had Brandon Turnage at left corner, both true freshmen. Uh, at the star position, you had, look like Jared Maiden, Patrick Sertan, and Jalen Armour Davis all working in there together with the twos on Tuesday. Your safeties, 
Daniel Wright and DeMarco Hellams, the true freshman. So that's a look at your two deep at the nickel package during uh, Tuesday's practice. Trying to think if I'm missing anything else. Didn't really spend a lot of time with the offensive line, at least eyeballing that situation. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much of a change there. That five has been pretty much set for a few weeks now with Landon Dickerson in there at center, Deontay Brown at right guard, Evan Neal at left guard, and your tackles, of course, Alex Leatherwood, and Jedrick Wills, who played phenomenally well himself in that game against Mississippi State on Saturday. With that, we'll open it up. If you got any comments or questions or anything you would like to talk about, we'll get to that. Alan Mills, what's good, my friend? What's good to you? Yeah, there you go. Big Rick is watching from Huntsville. They're always watching, Big Rick. Just know that. There's always somebody watching. D. Pickett asking, does Ishmael Softshore get a chance to get on the field? Yeah, I would think this week, and watching the defensive line drills today, again, not much in the way of, a, of, an, of, of an obvious first three. You know, it was kind of two-man combinations. Uh, and Brian Baker's coaching up Ishmael Softshore pretty good. You know, he's, he's a guy that's got a little bit of uh, ground to make up when it comes to technique and playing at this level. Physically, you look at Ishmael Softshore and all those attributes are in place. It's just, you know, it's a learning curve that he's going through. But I, I would think that he's very much a possibility to get on the field this week. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Mike, it's kind of the uh, big, big question, you know, with Tua obviously being what it is. Raquan Davis, DJ Dale, will either or both of those guys be back for the Iron Bowl? It's sort of wait and see. You know, looking at Raquan's left ankle injury, that was a tough one. You know, and it was tough because he kind of took it from his own teammate there in Christian Barmore. No fault of Barmore. Barmore's trying to make a play himself. Just one of those unfortunate situations. Um, you know, I, I think we'll learn more as the week goes on uh, and then certainly get into the early stages of Iron Bowl week. But, uh, uh, you know, Auburn isn't a very proficient running football team. And that usually isn't a good thing for Gus Malzahn teams. But, you know, Alabama's at a spot with its defensive line where precariously thin, I would say. Trip, we've seen both Dylan Moses and Josh McMillan around the facility. I would say, um, you know, Josh McMillan, we've seen more in the way of having practice type gear on. Uh, Dylan's been working out and uh, rehabbing continually in that uh, in that facility there, but. Um, that's that's kind of where it's at. I mean, I don't want to lead anybody to thinking that. Oh yeah, there's they're going to both play against Auburn. No, I, we're we're not at that that spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Billy, it's kind of a. It, it's still you know, it, 
it's still tough. It, you know, it'd be one thing if you're talking about playing one true freshman a lot on defense, but when you're talking about playing four, five, six, as much as Alabama plays them, you're not going to get those guys all to the same level of understanding and being able to apply what they're learning almost instantaneously to the field. So that's where this is unprecedented this year. You know, and that's where more patience is being required than in previous years. You know, in previous years, you might have one or two true freshmen that may be on a situational basis as much as anything. I mean, in 2010, we thought it was crazy that C.J. Mosley, a true freshman, was playing the Mac linebacker position in the dime early in that season. That's a true freshman. What is he doing? Well, think about five or six C.J. Mosley's this year and they're not just playing in a package. They're playing in a couple of the packages. And it becomes a little more easy to understand the, the struggles Alabama's had. You know, Josh, I know Charlie and myself out there today, we were seeing, trying to see if we saw Trey Sanders uh, anywhere around the practice field today. We did not. Ned, I think with um, Pete Golding, it's really tough. I've talked about this, written about this, and then just talked about it a minute ago because of the injuries, because of the true freshmen all over the place, I, I would say TBD is the grade for Pete Golding, if we're being fair, to be determined. Um, because it, there hasn't been a situation like this under Nick Saban on the defensive side of the ball, really team-wide, but yeah, certainly defensively when you look at all the uh, all the new faces and all the injuries. And, you know, you think about what this defense would have looked like you know, if, if Dylan Moses is healthy and even Josh McMillan is healthy and you're you're really strong right up the middle. Um, and instead, you know, you're thinking going into August, well, we're going to have a true freshman nose tackle, but we can live with that because we're going to have a couple of veterans playing right behind him. And we're going to have veterans to his left and right. And as it plays out, right up the gut, you've got three true freshmen. Lloyd, it's hard to say, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 hard to say because as far as the transfer portal, because usually it's something you don't see kind of addressed until after a season. Now, Scooby Carter obviously has gone ahead and taken that route here in the last couple of days. Um, you know, you hate to see any player move on, especially a player in his first year, but sometimes the die is cast pretty early. And there's an understanding between both parties that this may not work out for whatever reason. In most instances with young players, it's not about talent or ability. It's more about maturity level and being able to handle everything that comes along with being a student athlete, a football player at Alabama. You know, usually if these guys can sort of weather and survive that first year, year and a half, they're going to be okay. But it's a tough stretch and, and some guys... Uh, don't make it through. Will, you know, as far as the CFP, um, assuming Mac Jones plays well, which is assuming that he plays well really at Auburn um, in a couple weeks. You know, if you're Alabama, you, if you can get through these next two weeks, get a couple wins, you win at Auburn, uh, you're sitting there at 11-1, and, and based on maybe tonight's, 
rankings, you're still at four, or excuse me, you're still at five behind Georgia, and you play this thing out through the conference championship weekend and coming off of uh, the Iron Bowl, you're still five right behind Georgia, knowing you got that SEC championship game. Uh, if LSU, it goes to chalk and LSU beats Georgia, which I don't think is a given, by the way, but if it does play out that way in Atlanta and the selection committee kind of goes against the grain a little bit compared to what we've seen in previ previous instances with Alabama being a non-conference champion, making the college football playoff, winning the college football playoff in 2017, the quarterback situation, this isn't a precedent with Mac Jones. We've seen it with Ohio State in the very first college football playoff with Cardell Jones and the Buckeyes going on to win that one as well. You know, if you go 11-1, and one, you put it in front of the, the selection committee, uh, at that point, you know, you can kind of live with whatever decision the committee comes up with because your resume is what it is. And, yes, you know, your conference, your non-conference isn't what you – the thing about – Alabama's not conference resume is Alabama didn't want it to be the way that it is. This is the way it kind of had to be in terms of finding opponents that would play Alabama. This is the way this year worked out. So um, th th this isn't something even Alabama wanted with the non-conference schedule, not in terms of the, the, the traditional season opening game. Yeah, I mean, Alabama can do something and is doing something about some of these other spots on the schedule. Uh, moving forward, but as for how this year played out, that's kind of the way it goes. And I think if Alabama is convincing uh, in a win over for Auburn, I, I still continue to, th I'll put it this way, I'll need to see the committee jump Oregon or Utah over Alabama in that scenario. Now, I've said for a while, and I think you're going to see it probably tonight in the rankings, I think Oklahoma because of its brand, because of its star power with Jalen at quarterback, you know, I think Oklahoma could still end up being a bigger threat to Alabama than either Utah or Oregon. Anything else before we wrap it up? I saw something about Tua's potential, you know, draft status and things like that. Talked about this on my radio show today. Um, if you watch NFL football, if you've watched this past weekend, of NFL football. And if, in fact, the prognosis for Tua is as positive and as favorable as it seems to be, I have a really hard time envisioning, envisioning Tua Tonga-Vailoa falling out of the first 15 or 20 picks of next spring's NFL draft. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, former number one overall pick with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jared Goff and how that sort of works since his huge extension. Um, last night, guys that are starting to cycle out of the league after illustrious careers, Phillip Rivers. I've, I've enjoyed watching Phillip Rivers play, play for years. The last two weeks, he's thrown, what, seven interceptions? And you look at potential draft orders for 2020, next spring's NFL draft, you mean if the San Diego Chargers sitting there at 15, 16, 17, they would let Tua Tagovailoa drop below them? Yeah, I just don't see it. You know, and there's also been talk about Talia Tagovailoa and sort of how the, the red shirt thing will work for him. My answer to that is pretty much when you look around college football today, right now in this era, 
How many fifth-year seniors do you see at programs like Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Georgia? I'm talking about guys who started their career at, at those schools and end up using or staying all five years if they redshirt. You don't see many, do you? So I think if you're Nick Saban and the Alabama staff, you're figuring that a redshirt isn't really going to come into factor uh, in, in your favor, at least, uh, down the road for whatever reason. Between three and outs, between the transfer portal, between those things, the, 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 the era of the fifth-year senior quarterback at especially the blue blood programs, because of the quarterback movement being what it is, uh, seems like it's very much a thing of the past, especially with the grad transfer route available to these guys. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Instant Analysis. Uh, again, we're going to have Tuesday night Tide Talk coming up later. I'm going to put a thread on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com where if you have questions or comments for that podcast with Charlie Potter and myself, later tonight. That'll be a post-basketball pod that we'll do. It'll be a little later, so if you're a night owl, you'll catch it tonight. If you're not, you'll have that pod ready to go for your commute to work on Wednesday morning. So we always appreciate you joining us here on Instant Analysis. Again, this uploads, downloads, whatever it is, to the Talking Tide podcast. If you haven't already, we would love for you to give us a subscription there on your iTunes or Google Play or however you consume podcasts. Uh, we would appreciate that. More coverage coming at BamaOnline.com. Going to have some practice video for you coming up in just a little bit over at BOL as well. Coverage tonight of Alabama Furman men's basketball from Coleman Coliseum. We'll have you taken care of there. Stick around the roundtable. The premier message board for Alabama fans. We'll have a lot of stuff there for you and a lot on the site in general at BamaOnline.com. Thanks, everybody.